Welcome to the Cool Tools Show. I'm Mark Frauenfelder, Editor-in-Chief of Cool Tools, a website of tool recommendations written by our readers. You can find us at cool-tools.org. I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Kelly, founder of Cool Tools. Hey, Kevin. Hey, it's great to be here. In each episode of the Cool Tools Show, Kevin and I talk to a guest about some of his or her favorite uncommon and uncommonly good tools they think others should know about. Our guest this week is Alberta Chu. She's the founder of the boutique digital content production company, Ask Labs, in Boston, Massachusetts. Alberta is a cultural producer, independent curator, digital content creator, and filmmaker. Ask Labs engages communities around art, science, technology, and innovation. Alberta is also co-founder of the Face Topo Project, which is an app that helps you discover what's in your face. Hey, Alberta, how are you? Hey, Mark. Great. So glad to have you on. We're really eager to hear the cool stuff that you are discovering and want to share with us. Great. It's great to be here. Um, hi, Kevin. Really good to meet you. Um, yeah, so I've been working on this face project for just as kind of a side project, a passion project for several years. And um, now it's just interesting how we're so removed from each other because of COVID. We've all become so isolated that it's kind of nice to see people on Zoom. And I mean, before I, I always felt that video, I didn't really use FaceTime or any of those video communications tools. Very, I just didn't really use them until I had mm -hmm. to, the pandemic. <laughs> uh -huh. yeah. yeah. And now we're just like staring at, our own faces sometimes on zoom all the time. And, you know, it's just, we just thought, well, what, what research, what can we learn about faces is what prompted us to start this face Sopo project because um, we all have mobile phones now with front facing cameras and the selfie, you know, the selfie generation is here and we have the internet and why don't we all connect with each other and find our lookalikes and do fun stuff like that. Wow. So in, so Alberta, in your kind of research in your daily work, um, are there some tools that you use that you find that you maybe use every day that you have found useful in doing research or in accomplishing the things that you need to do every day, something that you're kind of relying on on a daily basis? Yeah, well, I was um, I was thinking about this in advance of this conversation, and I I thought, wow, I I'm really boring because I I use probably the tools that everyone uses for like community building and connecting with people. Um, you know, I just ran like a GoFundMe campaign, uh, which was my first one I've done, but we raised five thousand dollars in ten days for. Um, a group I'm on the board of Catalyst Conversations. It's um, like a monthly panel where an artist and a scientist present their work, and then there's like a Q&A afterwards. Um, so I'm on the board of this group, and, you know, I don't know, all the cultural organization, everything's been hurt by COVID because everything was, you know, shut down or had to go remote. And so we had to do this fundraiser. And GoFundMe is such a great platform. What did you discover from using GoFundMe? Were there any um, particular things that you wish someone had told you before you started it? Well, you know, I, you know, people are always asking for money for things that they care about. But 
GoFundMe really, but then people always are giving money too to things that they care about. And GoFundMe just gives you a way to kind of communicate with your your people who are your followers and who, who go to your events, like your larger group. Let's say it's like a thousand people over the past who have gone to the events and they were on this like big email list. So we were able to notify them that, you know, we really um, are raising money for this important cause for the next 10 days. Like we need the money to keep going. And, you know, people just gave so generously. And it's just because like we were able to ask and we were able to connect. Um, You know, we already know that we're connected through these common interests of like the dialogue between art and science, but just, you know, it just, we kind of had to give people like a, a time frame to focus on, you know, and like tell them what we were doing with the money and people just, it was so, and plus we're having, we're going to have a big party in September. I think a lot of people gave money so they could come to the party. <laughs> do, do you have any advice to someone doing it that you, that wanted to do their own GoFundMe? Any advice you'd give to them about how to do it well? Yeah, I would say that um, you want to have some nice um, pictures, uh, photos of your event, mm-hmm. and video clips. Mm-hmm. Things that you can share just because you're you're kind of updating your GoFundMe campaign like you want to kind of be in touch with ours was only 10 days we kind of thought okay it's going to be intense and we're going to give it our all but you know we can't do it for like a whole month we can sustain it for 10 days but you're kind of doing a daily update and all that and you need you need content you know that is like that people are going to get behind not just you know you, you just need to have good content that people are feeling good about supporting your bigger mission yeah. I don't know how GoFundMe works. Do they take a small percentage of the, what you raise? Um, no, they don't. But they're, when you do donate to a GoFundMe, they ask you if you want to like give a 7% tip, if you want to give a tip to them. But you don't have oh, to. interesting. So like, let's say you want to donate 50. You can donate 50, but they'll ask you if you can give like, you know, $2 more so they can have a tip. But, you know, your $50 goes to the thing you want to give it to. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's like, I know that like Kickstarter, I think is like, you can do a fundraiser there, but then if you don't reach your goal, you don't get a, you don't get any of the money. It all gets returned with GoFundMe. Yeah, it's all or nothing. Yeah. With GoFundMe, you can set a goal, but, and it goes directly to your nonprofit. But then I think it's only for nonprofits and individuals, GoFundMe. And then if you Mm -hmm. don't reach your goal, you still get to keep what you've earned, but we reached our goal. We even you know, people are still giving, even though it closed um, two days ago. That's cool. So, Alberta, did you did you have a mailing list? How did you even get people to know that you had a GoFundMe page? How did they actually find out? We had a mailing list, and we also, mm-hmm. um, you know, posted it on Facebook and Instagram. Although, normally, we're not that active on, in, on social media. So we realized, mm-hmm. you know, that we really had to put our energy into, like, um, just some really nice, personal emails. Mm-hmm. So um, you start out by saying that you just use boring old tools. Well, GoFundMe sounds kind of exciting. Are there some other tools that um, or services that you have um, used in the past year that you've come to depend on or, or couldn't have done without? Well, during COVID, I've really been, I've discovered, um, <laughs> I mean, everybody else probably already knew this, but um you know, we've been eating at home and cooking a lot more. So I've discovered there's like tons of like cooking videos on Instagram. Like you don't even need a cookbook anymore or, you know, you don't even need to, I mean, just like there's tons of cooking, like, and all these 
chefs, like everyone has an Instagram account and on their Instagram accounts, they like give demonstrations and recipes. And I don't know, it's been kind of a fun way to find new things to eat. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Maybe that's not a cool tool. Um, no, that that's interesting um, because like the New York Times has recipes, but you have to pay a monthly subscription to do that. But really, if you just want to search around, you can find ways to cook whatever you want for your special dietary needs as well. Yeah, there's tons. Yeah, there are like paleo chefs. And I mean, there there's just so much. It's crazy because, you know, like I, I kind of use Instagram just for like personal, you know, personal promotion. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I guess when you go start, when you start to explore, like just there's so there's just so much out there it's crazy yeah uh i didn't know that i I never thought about instagram as a recipe place that's interesting so they have actual like little video recipes or yeah how does that work cooking demonstrations like like padma lakshmi i mean she's like a celebrity Mm -hmm. model celebrity chef i think she has a show called i think she did top chef but she has another series coming up but she has like an Instagram channel where she's just like in her kitchen making like, you know, really simple Southern Indian food or I mean, she's just really casual and like talking about what she's making. And she's, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's, she's like, it's not like produced in a studio. It's just like her and her kitchen and like her friend. Is yeah. So that, that seems better. Fun, Like David Chang, the Momofuku guy, he has a baby. So he's always doing recipes that like, you know, five minutes or less or like whatever, like really basic stuff, like what you can cook, how to cook chicken in a microwave, just stuff. stuff and like this that. is on Instagram. So, so it'll last be a couple of minutes of video. Yeah. They're like, um, maybe they're more than a couple of minutes, mm-hmm. but yeah, there's okay. great stuff. I, I don't know. Right. I guess, um, you know, because of COVID I've been spending way more time on my screens than I did before. Right. So tell us about some of your face, the tools that that you um, uh, have been working with, perhaps, um, and know a lot about. What's yeah. what's what what what's uh, a really great tool for your phone? Well, actually, one of my favorites, which I forgot to mention earlier, is um, Google Arts and Culture has um, a function where you can take a selfie, and I guess they have mapped like every work of art in the history of man, and um, it'll match. It'll show you your face matches in paintings and sculptures. What? Oh, interesting. Wait, 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 wait. You're <laughs> saying I take a selfie and then it'll search through all history of art and show where my uh, face like mine shows up in a painting? Yeah, yeah. Have you tried it at Google Arts? And no. Google? no. It was really big a couple of years ago. It like was one of the, everyone was doing it. Um, it's It's really fun because it like depending on how you – it really does find an image that's similar to how you look. Wow. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. So you could use that for your little portrait, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Van Gogh painted me. <laughs> exactly. Um, and then there's like another thing that was really popular uh, even before that was this like guess my age or something. It was a Microsoft thing. And you just gave it a picture and it would say, you look like you're 25. So, I mean, 
all my friends were really excited about that because they're all older than 25. But then everyone, yeah. was, <laughs> everyone was sharing it on their Facebook, like, oh, look, I'm, you know, I look like I'm 25. And it would like put a, a golden square rectangle around your face and say, 25. And everyone just loved that. Mm-hmm. Um, That's so- <laughs> cool. Uh-huh. So the, um, uh, and do you, do you follow or um, much the, um, controversy around facial recognition what um and you know i guess your you know the new os for the iphone can unlock your phone with facial recognition um is that something you have on your own phone yeah um i i have that phone i have the new phone i have not activated that feature but Mm. actually apple is one of the companies i mean now they're actually promoting it that they keep everything private right Mm -hmm. um i just Mm -hmm. I just watched a documentary this week called um, Coded Bias um, about kind of racial and systemic bias in algorithms now that are you know, causing teachers to get fired, causing um, people to be like stopped on the street in London, you know, because they like have an incorrect face match in their system, like big brother stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. the, the facial algorithms, you know, that a lot of companies that are out there, a lot of them work much better on white males than they do on dark skinned people. You know, they just, um, but they're the training data. Pardon? Was limit. The, the training data sets were like mostly trained with white men. And so <laughs> yeah, everybody right. else is not even like recognized sometimes as being human. Yeah, exactly. So right. then there's this researcher at MIT media lab, and uh, she's kind of the star of this documentary, Coded Bias. And um, she started this um, algorithmic justice league, which I joined. Um, and basically, I mean, we are, we it's here. Algorithms are being used for a lot of things. I mean, deciding like, do you get a home loan? Do you get a credit card? Do you, you know, just all kinds of stuff. Um, human resources uses algorithms to hire people. Um, mm-hmm. but- there should be like an FDA for algorithms really is what they were kind of one, one person in the documentary said, and it's, it's, it's true. I mean, we, there has to be some guidelines for these big companies. I mean, these algorithms like change, they affect people's lives, you know, like if you're not getting, or if you're getting fired, if you're getting, uh, you know, put in jail or on parole, you know, just all kinds, it, it can have such a huge impact and it's like a faceless, internet thing you know that is just put on you and it's um yeah there there needs to be some regulation i guess of that i mean for our for our app um and what's your what's your app um our app uh, the app i'm developing is the face topo app and it's basically for private use so it's not any like surveillance or big brother thing but basically the user can create an account a private account with, you know, only they can access with their password. And then inside their account, they make a 3D face map with our app. So we kind of built this whole UX and people just kind of nod and do these gestures and follow follow the lines and move their face around a certain way. And then they generate a 3D face map. And then from that, we can um, determine what their face shape is and we can have certain... Um, statistics like you know the distance between the eyes and certain things where um 
then like people are interested in face shape because they can guide their um, style and beauty decisions, like, you know, applying makeup or hairstyles or facial hairstyles or things like that, glasses. Um, so it's, it's kind of a fun thing for people to know more about themselves and to guide their style choices. I'm not sure I, I see how you say guide. How would having the face map guide your decisions? What, what would be an example? Oh, okay. So we would, we tell the user, oh, well, you have an oval face. Oh, so these styles of glasses frames are flattering for oval faces and for men and for women, that kind of thing. Okay. So that's something where we have the feature now that tells you your face shape, but we're building out um, all the other like beauty tips and wellness tips that we can also add on to tell people that, that those are coming in like future releases. So listen, like what kind of wellness tips would be related to different kinds of faces? That's interesting. Well, I've been looking into this area called um, face, it's face reading. And it it's kind of like a branch of Chinese medicine, like acupuncture. So mm -hmm. they have these experts that have written books about it's, it's called, it's just Chinese face reading. And um, I'm not sure. I mean, it's, I don't, I'm not sure how valid it is because I don't want to get into like phrenology and things like that, mm -hmm. but it is an ancient practice and, you know, they, you know, certain things like full lips are a sign of prosperity or it's, it's kind of just fun, like a horoscope. I mean, there are tons of horoscopes uh -huh. out there. So we, we kind of thought that might be a fun thing. We're still kind of debating about adding that. Um, mm -hmm. But there's also, there's an app called Face Story. It's face yoga. <laughs> and people say, you know, you have to exercise the muscles on your face if you want to, you know, stay looking youthful. <laughs> and so uh -huh. story, this app just tells you, like, you can, you can tell the app, like, which areas you want to work on. And it'll tell you all these, like, face yoga exercises to do. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess some people, you know, do plastic surgery or Botox or whatever, but maybe some people just want to try face yoga. <laughs> yeah. So you've been working on face topo for a number of years, and it sounds like it's kind of pivoted from the original purpose. Is that right? Yeah, I think, I think, well, we've been working on it, yeah, for quite a while since I think we had the idea in 2014. So it's been like a while, but it's always been kind of a side project. So it's been mm -hmm. on and off. Um, yeah, originally we thought it would be fun to like connect people, like fa do face matching and stuff like that. But then that gets into the territory of um, maybe the stuff that we won't, we don't really want to be doing. So mm -hmm. we thought it would more interesting to quantify faces and tell people their face shape and then also along the way we might be able to make discoveries about similar faces but then again we will just have to see kind of the quality of the data we get if we want to keep doing this um i mean at this point we're just kind of we, we've built like a set of tools to analyze you know face data and we're just kind of trying to think of how we can apply it yeah to, you know, sure. to be good in the world. Like we're not really interested in um, doing evil things. I've been kind of following the, the VTubers who are, they have face capture um, technology and they're um, projecting in real time 
onto a virtual character that is, you know, not them. It's a fictional character, but they're, you know, they're kind of puppeting this uh, or you know, maneuvering this virtual puppet. And the, and the virtual puppet is online streaming in real time. And they're behind it and it's capturing their faces. And so including trying to capture their expressions, which is the difficult part. But that I think is, there's going to be a lot of that happening. Um, one, because it's new, two, because it's fun, three, because, you know, it's, there's a whole, there's so many things you could do with it. And, and yeah. so I, I, I would imagine being able to, again, map your face in real time mm -hmm. would be an important component of that. I could also see like using, like mapping your face and then having it construct like an idealized version that's more yeah. symmetrical uh, cosmetically enhanced right, 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 and right. then use that for your zoom conferences right why not well, well actually they found out some interesting research um which was that it, um and again the ethical parts of this is a little are a little uncertain but that if you um your face could appear differently to all the people that you're zooming with and if mm. your face that they see slightly reflects them and their image, they're more attuned to you. Oh my God. <laughs> so oh. you look slightly different and you look a little bit like any, everybody who's looking at you. Like you'd be more 10% to each person yes. you're talking to. Yes. Isn't that incredible? Fascinating. Oh it's my like, God. It's like body language or you're mirroring what they're doing. Yeah. Your face is kind of mirroring their face and they don't. Yeah. And so it's very, very subtle. Oh. And I thought that was really very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because um, I think evolutionarily people are sure. attracted to similar people. Right, right. Um, so that would be interesting. That could be like a little slider. That could be like morph. Yeah. Morph mm -hmm. edge. <laughs> right, right. And but, but I thought it was really cool because everybody looking at it sees a slightly different version of you that's more like them. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so um, that's just some research that was being done. It hasn't been deployed. It was just done in a lab. Um, so um, it was actually done in VR. That's amazing. Well, I think that's we, we um, need to move on. Um, but it was really, Alberta, it was really fantastic to hear your tools and your face work, um, which I think is, you know, going to be central in the culture as we go forward. So um, it's great to have you kind of there working ethically on it. Thank you. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Mark. It's been great. Yeah, Albert. Bye. It was great talking to you, catching up. Uh, it's been a while since you've been, since you've lived in LA. So it's nice to at least hear your voice. So Alberta, where can people go if they want to find out more about uh, what you're working on and uh, your movie that we didn't have a, a chance to, to uh, talk about? There's a link to the film on the MIT website. We'll, we'll have a link in our show notes for sure. But do you have like something like asklabs.com yeah. or yeah, yeah. asklabs.com go there. And I'm sure that's, that's going to link us to everything. That's all Alberta all the time. Right. Yeah. And then for face topo, if you want to be on the cutting edge of like new releases and new features, there's a Facebook group called face early adopters. Okay, that sounds great, Alberta. Well, thank you so much. 
I give give my best to to Murray and the family too. I will. Same to you. Okay. Take care, guys. Hey, everybody. It's Mark from the Cool Tools Podcast. I want to thank you for being a listener to Cool Tools. And I also would like to let you know about our Patreon page. If you would like to support the Cool Tools show, as well as our video channel, the website, and all the newsletters that we do, you can go to patreon.com slash cool tools. That's just one word, cool tools and pledge any amount you want. You could even pledge a dollar a month. Every little bit helps. We have editors, we pay for transcribing costs, we pay our reviewers. Every bit of money that you contribute goes towards supporting the show. I'd like to give a shout out to our supporters of the Cool Tools podcast. This week, I'd like to thank the following Patreon supporters. Bill Schuler, Bob Kay, Brian Pelly, Carl D. Patterson, Chad Cosby, Chris Wheland, Chris Weirstook, Craig Tooker, Dan O'Brien, Dean Putney, Donnell Cunningham, Evan Barker, Graham Medlin, Hans Riesbeck, Helen Hegedus, Jerry Kearns, Jim Lesko, Jim Spofford, John Pollock, John Burdenbaugh, Keith O., Ken Altman, Les Howard, Lauren Bast, Mock Nerd, Malton Make, Mark Goebel, Matt Gromes, Michael Douglas, Michael Jones, and Michael Pecorini. Thanks to all of you for supporting the Cool Tools Show. We really appreciate it.